Welcome to Playing Full Out. I'm your host, Augie Bylock, and this is where we explore success, fulfillment, and the power of purpose. Each week, we visit with interesting people who not only make money, but they make a difference. And this is where we spread the good news about enlightened wealth, that success that serves others. And today, my guest is Max Keller. Hi, Max. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Thank you. Well, uh, Max Keller, um, you know, obviously I'm a Christian, real estate entrepreneur. I have, um, you know, marketing uh, businesses, uh, co-own a couple of real estate businesses, started out in real estate part-time, then moved to full-time, flipped about 100 houses in a three-year period, um, started to transition to mobile homes uh, for a lot of reasons, and we'll chat about those. And um, so now I, uh, my partner and I, we buy mobile homes in five states, um, about 10 to 15 a month. That's our real estate investing activities. Um, signed up with uh, EXP and I'm building a team of uh, realtors all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I'm an author. I wrote a book on senior housing. Uh, I, I have a, a big spot in my heart for helping seniors. My grandma helped raise me. And um, a lot of my homeowners that I was buying homes you know, from they were seniors and they had a lot of education gaps. And so I wrote a book that teaches them how to navigate during, you know, them and their families, how to navigate during this kind of difficult time and uh, a workbook turned into classes that I taught at churches and senior centers. And now um, I have a network of um, local experts that co-author the book with me and they're all over the nation you know, spreading this message of, um, and helping a lot of families and making a difference. So it, it's good business and it helps people. So it feels really good. Yeah, no, that, that, that's great stuff. You know, I, I read a little bit of your backstory and, you know, my grandmother was a big influence on me too. And, you know, I actually wrote an article to honor her and I think it's going to be in this month's newsletter that we published called the intellectual capital report. Okay. You made the world's best pies. Hmm. But she never made the, the pie the exact same way. Because you'd say, Grandma, what are all the measurements? You'd say, well, you put a little of this, you put a little of that. And if you don't have that, you throw this in instead. And they were always fabulous. Cool. And, you know, with our whole world is about creative financing, and that's what we love to do. So it's a lot of fun, and grandmas are great people. And I, I think the fact that you work with seniors is an awesome thing. You know, one of the things when we work with seniors, we always try to make their transition as easy and painless as possible. And I think it's good, good work that you're doing. Now, what does the word success conjure up in, in your mind? How would you describe that to somebody? Um, you know, I would kind of subscribe, I would say it's like two phases. So there's a success that everybody sees about you. I would call that like your gross success. Mm-hmm. And then the net success is, you know, what only you see, what your family sees, what's truly in your, you know, in your heart and your desires. And so to me, it's about making those the same thing and focusing more on the net success, not comparing myself to other people, but just trying to improve each day. And so for me, I have some you know specific goals, uh, but most of them are centered around people that I want to help through, you know, the gifts that, you know, the Lord's given me and using real estate as a conduit to do that. And they, they, you know, they're around people that I probably never will meet. Um, but you know, I know that, I mean, I'll meet eventually, but I won't get to meet face to face. It's about helping people. Uh, success is about helping people 
when you know nobody's looking and helping people that you're never really gonna even get to to meet if you have the abilities you know and the talents to create those kind of outcomes I don't know, I feel like it's an obligation. So that's what I do when I go out and speak, when I create books and educational materials. Um, it's, it's helping people who you'll never get to meet, you know, in person. That's what success is. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And what would you say is the biggest factor that's contributed to your success? Because, I mean, you look to me like a relatively young guy and you've achieved some, some great, you know, milestones so far i mean you know you had a pretty successful fix and flip business mm -hmm. you're now working in the mobile home space and the education space so you know you're, you're building you're broadening you're creating multiple streams of income mm -hmm. and uh what would you say is you know the biggest contributing factor to all of that uh number one is reading so you know i'm dyslexic and i didn't actually know i was until i was um an adult and I didn't so I only read about seven books for the first 35 years of my life. And then when I got into real estate, I noticed that the friends that I had in masterminds, which would be number two after reading, mm -hmm. um, were all reading a lot. And so I got with a dyslexic, I found out that I was dyslexic. Then I got with a dyslexia coach and I learned strategies. And then I, now I read like, you know, a book a week. I just bumped it up to two books a week. And, um, and then I've written numerous books. So then that's the third is writing books. That's extremely powerful tool. Um, you know, just be willing to accept criticism. You know, it says in the Bible that, you know, the, the fools are, are, you know, spouting folly all the time and they don't want to ever get better. But the wise are always want people to, you know, let them know, you know, what they need to get better at. And, um, and so, once I start really diving deeper into Proverbs and into the word, it pretty much spells out what you're supposed to be doing. And so that's pretty much been the success. The other thing is elevating the goals beyond myself. You know, for the first like 28 years of my life, it was just working and going to get a finance degree. I worked in corporate finance, but the goals were all about just like me and my family. And then, and then when I became a teacher, my heart really enlarged. And I worked at an inner city school for seven years teaching algebra uh, before, just before I got into real estate. And I saw that, you know, you can make a lot of difference with, you know, people. And it's just really special to do that. And it was a natural fit for me. And so um, once, that, once you can elevate the mission to above you and your family, like that's been a total game changer. So I would just say reading, masterminds. Um, writing books, elevating the mission, and and prayer. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think that's great guidance, especially Proverbs. I mean, I start a lot of my seminars with something from Proverbs, and uh, because it's it's the first self improvement book ever written, mm -hmm. you know, and so at least translated into English anyway. Right. But uh, it, it really can make a difference. And, you know, I, I like your thought on, you know, expanding your mission. You know, one, one of my mentors once said to me, hey, if your goals don't scare you, they're too small. Mm, good advice. And so, you know, that, that, that keeps, gives us that edge or keeps us on edge so that we can continue to strive to be our best. Now, what particular habits have you developed over the years that have help you create kind of a routine because success is formulaic um, you know anybody that's achieved it can go back and say yeah this wasn't dumb luck there was a process 
and certain things successful people do and some some are unique so i'm curious as to yours uh, boy this would be a funny one i don't even know how much i don't want to overshare i have a lot of them i'm kind of quirky um to be honest you know um you know i'm very strategic because i'm just mathematical i've always been and uh -huh. so, yeah there's i i distill everything down to a very specific strategy so i guess it starts with you know, getting mastery of time, you know, successful people have mastery of three things. They ha are masters of time, of value and relationships. And so when I'm thinking about my personal development, I think about those three categories. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so when it comes to time, one was, um, and just my schedule and my habits, everything that I do is extremely purposeful. Okay. I'm constantly, um, looking over my schedule, whether it's, you know, like each week I started using the full focus planner, no affiliate code. I'm just saying, uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And that really helped. The biggest thing that it helped in there was talking about having a big three all week. And then on Sunday, reflecting from the previous week and really getting that time. Um, my habits, um, I have a very set schedule. Um, so for me, I read a book called, uh, when, and it talks about how timing is the most important um, predictor of what your results are gonna be by far. Everybody has a different like body clock. Mm -hmm. So if you try to resist it, you're, if you try to resist your chronobiology, you're probably not gonna be successful doing that. So I, I naturally stay up later. So I, I have a schedule where I wake up about 7.30, I read, um, I read the Bible, and then I, um, I have my day already laid out. So I get started at my desk at nine. I do my really logical and like analytical stuff in the morning. And then usually about seven hours after people um, wake up, they start to dip. It's called the trough. Mm -hmm. So then I'll go exercise for 90 minutes and it helps rejuvenate me. It's kind of the halfway point of the day. And then in the later part of the day is where my creativity is higher. It's called the rebound. And so then that's where I'll do my activities that involve more creativity. And then invest time. I don't spend time. Everything I do is an investment. Poor people spend, uh, rich people invest. So you have to invest your time also. So I'm very, very, you know, my, I have a lot of coaches that have poured into me and a lot of mentors. And one of my coaches is very big into time investment. So I make time investments with my family every day with my phone off. And I make time investments with my spouse where we read marriage books and talk and I get to practice listening, which is hard for me sometimes because I get so excited. I just want to share. And then, um, and then in the evening for me, I have a hyperbaric chamber, which is a little unusual for most people, but if you don't know what those are, they're amazing. And so it's a pressurized chamber that I sit in and I breathe oxygen. And then I, um, I read the Bible. I read different books that I'm working on. I usually stay in there for about two hours and read all by myself. And then I'll uh, make sure that the next day is planned out and then just do it again in a loop. And I, I use a lot of, um, I have people on my team now uh, that are amazing people. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a blessing to be able to delegate to them. I use some online platforms that allow you know, me to do that and for us to stay you know, on task and really successful with that. And so, you know, here's the bottom line is that, the, do, you know, do you know what the number one way is to increase your net worth? I bet you do, because you're very wise. What do you think the number one way is? I expand my net worth. And it's the people that I, I, I work with that hit me with the feedback that I truly need. And, I like that. You know, that that has been a, a huge change for me. It used to be great to have a million minions and followers, 
and yes people, but it's the people that challenge you that really sharpen you. And, you know, even scripture says, you know, steel sharpens steel. I like that. Yeah, it's in Proverbs. That's in there. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so for me, the three biggest ways that I feel like if I'm on a mission to give as much as I can create a legacy for my family and others, the number one way that I can increase that legacy is by not dying. Because if I die, I, my ability to produce income is zero. Mm-hmm. So the number one way to increase my net worth is to not die. The number two is to not get divorced. I met a lot of people who are great at real estate and they have great gross success, but the net success is not good. It mm-hmm. takes a toll on the marriage. So if I get divorced when I'm 50 or 60, half of the net worth is gone right there, okay? And a lot of other collateral damage. Then the number third way I feel like I can increase my net worth and, and do more kingdom building is have you know well-adjusted children that can raise themselves and support themselves. Mm-hmm. So don't die, don't get divorced, and pour into your kids. And none of those have to do with real estate. And so many people, the old Macs would focus so much on strategies and tactics that were about increasing active income or passive income or some sort of creative, you know, I'm creating a note and then I'm selling off a partial and I'm keeping a second on the trail. And that stuff's great, but if you're not taking care of your health and exercising, eating healthy food, and you're not taking care of your relationships and your kids, then all of that success is going to be very short lived. So I have refocused my mind and refocused my schedule on uh, making sure that those three things are taken care of no matter what happens. And I'll let you know in like 40 or 50 years if it worked. Well, I'm planning to be around because I'm 100, 120 is, you know, unless I get another assignment, you know. <laughs> and I, I believe, believe me, you're preaching to the choir, you know, I definitely, I've recently, you know, changed my, my eating patterns, my exercise patterns and everything. Cool. Uh, simply because I, I'm setting bigger and bigger goals. You know, a lot of my peers are saying, oh man, I think I'm going to kind of retire and just lay back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like death. It is. You know? And I think the so, numbers show that. Cover to cover numerous times. And if you can find the word retirement in the Bible, you'd surprise me. Because it's, it's definitely not there. That's and true. I want to continue to refocus my energy as long as I've got it. So I agree. And I want to keep building it. So I, I, I appreciate what you're saying because, you know, quality families are really the foundation of a culture. And that, that can make such a huge difference. And my philosophy is not to leave a legacy. It's to live a legacy. Hmm. You know, and because I figure any, anything that's got death as your exit strategy is just, I don't know, I don't want to play. Mm-hmm. So I think we should get to a position in life where we can literally live our legacy. You know, our money is what makes money. Our time is what we invest in things that are extremely important to us that are mission driven, that are kingdom driven. And so being able to, you know, that's what I do with this wheelchair stuff that we're involved in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm as passionate about that as I am about anything else in my life. It's not like a, a second or third chair thing. I have, you know, three priorities. And they are only subordinate, you know, to living for God's glory. And it really boils down to family, business, because that's stewardship. Mm-hmm over our gifts in service to others and then living that legacy. And, you know, I, 
truly envy people when they can get to that position. Not envy in a negative sense, but in a celebratory sense. Sure. Something I want everyone to be able to get to do. Right. So I thought I'd put this on airline, airplane mode. I'm going to put it on off mode. There you go. Uh, but anyway, uh, so let, let's kind of keep going. On. That, that was really good. I, I appreciated that little exchange. Now, how about mistakes? What kind of feedback have you gotten from business that's helped you to start to make decisions differently? Daily. And it's going to happen. And, you know, for me, I feel like I'm really good at like three or four things. And then all my gifts are pushed into those areas, the other areas I really struggle. So, you know, if we take the business and we break it into three, three different pillars, it's sales and marketing, it's operations, and it's accounting and finance. I was, when I started doing my, my real estate business, I was so focused on sales and marketing, maybe a little bit operations, but very little on accounting and finance. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I had a finance degree. So I, I went on a journey of, I just really, I think I was just embarrassed to say that I really didn't know what these financial statements were really saying. And I, so I would just say, you know, they're not as important. And I just, you know, I could just, I just go get more deals and that would solve all my problems. And so I wasn't investing time. I didn't have a team yet and I wasn't investing very good time. I was struggling to delegate. So the advice I'd give myself or the feedback I've gotten is, is that, um, now I've like shifted the whole funnel. So, so my number one focus is accounting and finance, because if I don't know what's happening in the business, how in the world would I know what strategies and tactics to, you know, deploy? Mm -hmm. Um, I went on like a two year crusade to find a profit coach, to find a better accounting team and learn, you know, all of the things that I was struggling with, with my numbers. And then, you know, of course with me out popped a book. So I wrote the net profit workbook. And it's uh, seven steps to your most profitable year. And this is really like, this is just kind of like a journal of the activities and the worksheets that I went through in a two-year process mm -hmm. to go from having no clarity on my numbers and accounting and what it all meant to having a lot more clarity. So that's been my focus from that feedback. So I think feedback is like, there's multiple steps. The first one is you have to be out there swinging and taking chances in order to get any feedback. Mm -hmm. so somebody's listening and they're, you know, nervous about, you know, just taking the first step, um, then, you know, you have to know that's part of it. And then if it, if you are just more risk adverse and don't have high stress tolerance, bring somebody, but you have other skills and talents, then bring somebody onto your team that has that because the, this economy and capitalism rewards, you know, um, high stress tolerance and low risk, you know, avoidance or adversion. So somebody on your team has to be that. But then on the other side, if there's a lot of visionary entrepreneurs who are listening that just love risk and love stress, yeah, that's cool. But at the end of the day, somebody has to tap the brakes. Somebody has to be doing the details. And then somebody has to be looking at the numbers and making sure that, you know, they're rolling up correct and you don't get that information from the IRS. So that's probably been the biggest feedback I've gotten. Um, I was a little slow to let go of things. And now that I have, you know, my, me and my journey has been the feedback I've gotten is that very successful business owners, you know, now including myself have three things that they have mastery of. They, they know how to create very consistent top line revenue. Mm -hmm. So they don't have these big dips and then up and down, up and down like a roller coaster, whether they've done it through multiple streams or different kinds of streams that are more predictable. So the first step is like, do you have consistent top line revenue? Then, 
you know, me and the people that I hang out with now, we can get a profit and loss statement and know what it means and how to push as much of it as possible to the bottom line. You know, that's a skill. And so you have to have that skill. And then the third one is that, and I got this from my partner, Glenn uh, Stromberg, is that you have to be able to hire people that make you look better than you really are because your team can make you look better than you really are or worse than you really are. Mm -hmm. And so if you know how to create consistent top line revenue, push as much of it to the bottom line as possible, and then hire like just absolute amazing, the best, fewer, better people, then I think you'll be successful if your head's screwed on right. And so that's what I've, I was bad in all of those areas. And that was the feedback that I was receiving because I felt like I was just getting kicked in the you know, shins every day. Mm-hmm. And now that I've developed those skills and I've practiced those and I've built the team out and I've got multiple streams of revenue and I look at the financial statements and know what they mean, um, my, my business and just everything feels really good. But that's been a new development. I can't sit here and go, yeah, I've been doing that for 10 years. I mean, that was like, you know, the last 18 months has made a lot of improvements. And it was really hard. Well, improving is hard, but it's mm-hmm. growth. It's, it's any, any kind of growth is always comes with a little bit of pain. That's why they call them growing pains. Right. But, you know, avoiding them stifles growth. Mm-hmm. That's what causes, you know, so many people to hit 65 and say, I guess I only have to work another 15 years. Right. You know, and if you leave it to the government and their retirement plan, their whole deal is die sooner. That That's true. Better. So entrepreneurs definitely take a, a different look and a different swing at things. And, and I like and I like your example, you know, taking a swing and also even the idea of finding complementary skill sets. Yeah, we're doing that right now. We're doing behavioral testing for everybody who in our education company, Mobile Vested. Anybody, um, so we have somebody on our team that, you know, is a consultant for other education teams. And we like, you know, analyze the data and what it, so this education company that we're friends with, they had a lot of different people who went through their program and had different results. And then we, we took all the data and matched it, the results up to what their behavioral profiles were. And what we found was, is that there was a pattern. There were certain behavioral profiles that kind of put the odds in your favor. And there were certain ones that put the odds against you. And so what we're going to be doing at our upcoming events and boot camps that we do around mobile home investing is we're going to let everybody take those behavioral tests and we're going to go through them. And we're going to say, okay, look, if you're like one of these five profiles, that's pretty much like the fast start entrepreneur. So if you're trying to do that, you're probably on the right track, but you're going to need somebody to help you in these areas. Mm-hmm. And then if we, and then if you're like in one of these profiles, those are the people who are least successful based on results, not our opinions based on, on um, you know, results that we have when they try to do this on their own. So if you find somebody who has these complementary skills, that's when you can really create some dynamite. And the reason is because we want to put the odds in, um, you know, we don't want to play God and say, well, you can be successful and you can't, we don't, we don't have that power, but, but just to tell yourself that you can be successful without any help in any environment, that's delusional. And we want to help people get results. So, you know, when I was in public school, everybody above me in the food chain was trying to push all the kids into college, 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 college. And if you were a trade person, you know, you're basically like a second class citizen. And, you know, kids have different abilities, different IQs, I mean, all sorts of different things, different interests. And so it's all about 
it's all about putting the odds in your favor when you get started and empowering people, giving them that knowledge, and then just letting them decide what they want to do. But if you, if love is in your heart, you truly want to help people just, you know, what, what I try to do is just do everything I can to share that information with them and then just let people decide what they want to do. Um, but just put the odds in their favor. No, I think, I think that's great. It's a great approach. Um, who are your role, role models and, and how do they help? You know, as an entrepreneur, we typically have more than one, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, I think your character and just who you are as a person is way more important than your business skills or acumen. Mm -hmm. So the most, because without the other part, you, I mean, it doesn't matter what skills and strategies you have, you know, you're just going to burn people out, blow through folks, wash out, you know, bad stuff. So number one is my grandma because she kept me involved in church and she, you know, helped raise me and I took care of her. So like it's her is like a huge role model. Um, I mean, of course, you know, God and the Bible. I mean, of course, you know, you have to mention that. But for like people right now on this earth, mm -hmm. you know, I had a lot of mentors early on, um, different real estate investors, different, um, you know, just like Jim Ingersoll was the first boot camp I went to up in Richmond. I, I was on deal number one. I just wholesaled my first deal. It's actually like about four years ago today. So a lot's happened and results are not typical and it's a real blessing. But I think one of the reasons that things have happened for me so quickly was because on deal number one, I got into a mastermind, which is not typical. And so masterminds, I mean, I've had so many different mentors and coaches and people have poured into me. So it's hard to name one, but I would just say my grandma and then a lot of really great business people. And, you know, they're, I consider my friends now. And the craziest thing is, you know, people who are listening, you can't imagine what happens when you start reading and putting knowledge into your mind. You know, there's three really like ways to serve people with knowledge. You know, number one is that you have to put knowledge into your brain. So it's like, who are you taking advice from? What books are you reading? Nobody can put stuff into your brain. Nobody can read for you. You know, you have to do that. You have to be listening to this podcast. You have to do something. And number two is, you know, like how do you take all the stuff that you know and package it in a way that you can share with others, right? And they can consume it. And then number three is the delivery, which is like, you know, what we're doing right now. Like me and you have read books and had people help us and been in masterminds and had life experiences. And the packaging is how we're, you know, translating that right now to real world stuff that people can use and the delivery mechanisms, the podcast. Right. So I think if you have knowledge and you, you know, share it with other people, because there's a lot of people out there who you know, just need a little bit of knowledge and um, they're missing that. And fortunately it's getting easier to find it, but sometimes you get information from the wrong sources. So you have to be very careful who you get your information from, like you said earlier. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's true. There's a lot of misinformation floating around. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I can learn this on the internet. Well, can't learn everything on the internet. Oh, I know what it is. I forgot. The number one way is, is when I started meeting people who were like, you know, way ahead of me, I wouldn't just like ask them for stuff. I would just see like what their biggest problem was. Mm -hmm. And then usually what I found is like all my friends and my masterminds, they had similar problems. And if like they're having that problem, chances are I probably am too. And so I would go and read books and study how to serve, like solve that problem. And then I would come up with like a little process map or checklist, like a system, you know, that's what I'm good at is creating systems. And then I would try it out in my business. And then once it worked, I would share it with my friends and it would save them a lot of time and I would just do that for free. 
and they were really happy with me. So they just like kept wanting me to be, you know, better friends with them. And it's turned into some really good, you know, relationships. And, um, you know, so if you do that and you just keep studying and studying, I have some friends that I paid to be consult, to consult and help me at the beginning of my career. And now they call me and ask for advice and it's not like bragging. And they even say it, they're like, that doesn't happen very often. And I feel like really cool and glad that that does, but it's just because I've been studying really hard and I've been focusing and I've been trying to figure out how to apply this. And um, so that kind of thing is like, it's really possible and you'd be surprised how fast things can happen, but don't try to take shortcuts because that doesn't, there is no get rich quick anything. So it's kind of a paradox. No, totally, totally agree. Um, if you can hit a restart button, what, if anything, might you do differently? You know, if you had a do-over. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty happy with the way things have gone. So I couldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything over, but theoretically, you know, if I did, it would just be to get involved in books a lot sooner. And just invest more of my week thinking and planning instead of just doing. You know, if you think about an NFL football player, they spend 90% of their time planning and doing preparation. And then 10% of their week is the actual game. And so the biggest reset button I would push is that. I would have, I would have started delegating things a lot sooner, um, focus on my numbers a lot more and then use that extra time margin that I was buying for myself through my team to invest more time uh, just planning and strategizing instead of just doing. Um, I'd be further along, but you know, I'm happy with the way things have gone, and they do happen for a reason. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I didn't ask that question from a, a position of, well, gee, where'd you screw up, and you know, how would yeah. you not screw up? Because it's sometimes in that screwing up in, in the mess, is where our character is revealed. How we work our way out of the mess and what we learn by being in the mess so that number one, we don't get into it again, but more importantly, like you said more than once, you know, how can you use what you've learned to potentially serve others, you know, solving larger problems. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like the process that steel goes through, I mean, steel goes through like seven or eight processes to become like, you know, a big steel beam. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's being, it's going through a purification process. And if you were that, you know, if you were that steel being dipped in these solutions and hot baths, I mean, that's probably the way it feels sometimes when you're having struggles with home or business. I know that's the way it felt for me. I had a lot of, you know, help. And a lot of mentors say, man, this is all part of the growth. When you get through this, you come out the other side, you're going to be at that next phase of, you know, the steel is going to be stronger and you'll be ready for those next level of challenges. But if you don't go through this process, you won't, you won't be, you know, ready for that. And so it's really hard when you're going through it, but then when you get through it, you, you're just able to face another level of challenges. And that's what you need if you're trying to elevate your mission. There's always going to be something that you've never done before and it's really hard, but all the other times you've gotten through it is what's prepared you for that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that um, I find, you know, I lead a mastermind with real estate investors specifically, and what's interesting is they always end up with sort of an unfair advantage. 
or what feels like an unfair advantage because of the work they've done, the knowledge they've accrued. What kind of unfair advantages have you enjoyed? Um, well, the biggest one would be knowledge. And what I did was I took my unfair advantage and that's how I wrote my first book. So uh, Home to Home, the step-by-step -step senior housing guide yep. is all of the knowledge and like behind the secrets info that I know being a real estate investor. And I shared it with my customers, my audience who don't, who don't really understand that, which is seniors and their adult children. And so I feel like if you have a business that's predicated on your customer not have not being knowledgeable about something in order for you to make profit you're in big trouble because the 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 tides are turning and people are getting access to the information so instead of withholding information i have a reverse approach i share it with my audience at a level and i aggregate it all and simplify it in one place for them share it with them and then the byproduct of that is is i get um, a lot more people who want to um, work with me because they see me as not a salesperson, not a ruthless, you know, bloodthirsty investor, but um, somebody, not somebody who's taking advantage of them, but somebody who's empowering them. And if you make that shift and you, um, and you're seen as the foundational source in your local area, mm -hmm. you don't have anything to worry about. Those advantages turn into advantages for the other person too. You know, it has to be a win-win. And if you're creating a bunch of win losses, word will get around and eventually um, you get washed out. So I don't want that to happen to me because I love what I'm doing. So that's, that's how I'm approaching my advantage is by taking it and sharing it with others. And, you know, I don't ask for anything in return, but due to the law of, you know, reciprocity, which will probably never change, um, people want to, you know, share and work with you. And so that's how I built my businesses. And, um, I think that, you know, that could work for a lot of people listening. Well, they say, you know, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. I know I read that somewhere too. It's all in the Bible people. Yep. Get your Bibles out. I'm, it's new for me. I'm not over here saying, Oh yeah, you know, I wrote that thing. I've been in it, man. I just got in it. My coach was a pastor in Africa for many, many years before he came to America. He told me to read, read, read the Bible. And I was just like, nah, I need to read, you know, SEO. I need to read this. I need to read that. I need results. And he's like, trust me, you're missing the whole boat. So if I hit the restart button, read the Bible sooner, I would have really fast tracked things. But, you know, now I can relate to people who aren't really into the word and, and really relate to them and say, show them where, where the first 35 years of my life was using that strategy and then where the rest of them are going. And it's like, it's no coincidence. So everything is okay. Yep. No, it's all good stuff. Believe me. I, I get it. So I love the words full out, playing full out because for me, they have a certain connotation, a certain meaning. How do you play full out? Hmm. You know, I just, for me, it's preparation. The only way that I can be at my best, you know, our life and our everything are the results that we achieve are a lot of things at the time that seem insignificant mm -hmm. that are stacked up upon each other, you know, minute by minute, day by day. So in order to, re to play full out and achieve a really good outcome um, is investing time purposefully so I can do this for a long period of time. When I'm at work, I'm giving it my very best. So it's, it's less, more concentrated work. And then just a lot of planning on what I'm doing so that when I am, whatever, wherever I'm at, you know, I'm giving it my very best. You know, when I'm at work, 
I'm not thinking about home. When I'm at home, I'm not thinking about work. You know, so like just wherever I am, I'm trying to be 100% really present and prepared. And then just think about what my highest and best use is a lot. And you know, what I think about, um, you know, what, you know, what things would somebody else pay me to do for them? And if I'm doing something where somebody else would not pay me to do that for them, I shouldn't be doing it. And so I, I, um, by, by allowing other people, by not being so prideful to just say like, I'm better at everything than everybody else, but instead saying, you know, there's other people with gifts, let them plug into our, our system. Um, I'm able to play full out by doing the things that, you know, I'm the best at, which is studying really complicated things, simplifying them, and then teaching them to others. That's what I've always been really good at. And I actually found out some other, some of my other friends are good at it too. And it can be a symptom of dyslexia. So all that struggle that I went through in school and, you know, nobody thought I was smart. I didn't even know I was smart till I was in my thirties. I mean, I, I made, I didn't make good grades and somehow I got into a top five business school. Nobody can figure that out. And, but then I struggled in school and I struggled in my life. And, um, I don't know, just when I, I just, when I started to, I think it's just a journey and everybody has a different path and I'm just thankful for all these years, hopefully that I have left and play full out means, you know, like they said on the on NFL, you know, leave it all on the field today. Like when I get done today, I'm going to exercise and then I'm going to invest time with my family and, and read and do all those things I talked about. But if you give your very best every day, Awesome. If you don't, shame on you. Because if you've gotten talents and gifts and you haven't fully developed those and and shared those to the best of your potential, like I, I don't think it's a choice. I think it's an obligation. That's just the way I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know everything. Maybe maybe there's something wrong. I don't know. No, I think you kind of hit it on the head. And one of the things that you you spoke about that I want to amplify a little bit is you spoke about being present, mm-hmm. and that's something that everyone can learn from because whether you're out there talking to a seller, if you can't be totally present, you're going to do fewer deals. You're going to have a harder time building respect or credibility or, you know, building a relationship. And we are in a relationship business, whether you're doing it on the phone, a phone call on a zoom call or face to face, right? You know, you've got to establish rapport. Rapport is, is the foundation of trust. Mm-hmm. And most people listen for the purpose of responding rather than listening for the purpose of understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people that are present when they're with others are listening actively. They're repeating stuff that they hear. They're really focused on the other person. And just think in your own life, those relationships where you know people that are never present they're in a room, they're talking at you. Mm -hmm. They don't hear a word you say. You ask them a question, they answer something else because they haven't heard your whole question. Right. And so, you know, that gift of presence is actually a spiritual gift. And being able to sit with somebody and be truly focused, and that's gotta definitely serve, especially when you're dealing with seniors, Mm -hmm. because they really appreciate the gift of presence from someone else. So that, and I, and I think the other thing that you brought up is stewardship over your time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm believer that time is our most valuable medium of exchange. 
And if mm -hmm. it is not invested, because we can produce more money, you can't produce more time. Mm -hmm. So we've got to, you know, jealously guard our time and be good stewards over it. I agree. Because you only get so much, we don't even know how much, you know, so <laughs> you might only have 15 minutes left to use them wisely. All right. Well, good. We'll get to the speed round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, so as we get closer to wrapping up, we're not totally done, but what's the one question that you wish I asked that I haven't? I don't know. You asked pretty good questions. Um, okay. Man, I want to ask you questions. You're, you're, you're really smart and wise. I want to ask I'll, the one question that I wish you asked is Max, what question do you have for me? All right. Well, I'm going to let you raise that question in just a minute. But Max, you've got so much cool stuff going on. If people wanted to find you, how can they do that? Do you have a website that you refer people to? Sure. Yeah. Um, they can check out the website that I have for my publishing company and everything I do with my YouTube channel and, and uh, EXP and everything around that is uh, customerschasingyou.com. Um, so that's the website for that. You can follow me on Facebook, just Max Keller. You can look me up. It's me in the picture of Robert Kiyosaki. I got an award innovator of the year for my book, Lead Generation System. And it was so crazy. I remember like 14 years ago, standing in line to meet Robert and get one of his books. Um, and then you just fast forward like 14 years later, I got the award at Gene Garino's um, convention. Mm -hmm. There's like 800 people there and it was really cool. And then I met Robert you know, and he was there, then he was like, you know, asking about my book and wanting to see my book. And I was like, man, like never would have saw this coming. So that's where all the details on that and what we do with our content is. And then for our mobile home investing um, platform, um, that's uh, mobile vested. So mobile, M-O-B-I-L-E, uh, V-E-S-T-E-D.com. And that's, we have some um, content on there. Some of it's free. And then we have some online courses. We do a, like three boot camps a year. And then for customers chasing you, I have a, I take my lead generation system, which is a book and a workbook designed for seniors and their adult children. I co-author it with um, people all over the nation and I position them as the local experts in their area for all things seniors. And so they take the books and they distribute them to their customers. They teach at senior centers and churches, which are normally off limits to a lot of like, you know, just discount home buyers. Sure. Um, and it just positions them, their faces on the cover. We, I write them into the book and I teach them how to share the materials. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, fortunately, our goal is to get this to a million seniors and their adult children because they're struggling with this transition. The parents are homeowners. They need extra help. The house is falling apart. So what I did was I took all the information from all those silos and I'll come back on some other time and we'll talk about it. But we took all that information, put it in one source, and now we position these local experts as the conduit and the teacher in their local area. You know, we have somebody in Lakeland, Florida, not too far from you guys, yep. right? Yep. Where, where are y'all located? Uh, yeah, so we have... I'm in Longwood, just northeast of Orlando. Okay, yeah, so we have I somebody... Have mastermind members. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. And obviously other places as well. So it's working and it's nice. It's nice to be able to have a tool that gets results because you want results. I mean, obviously you need customers to run your business, but what's been really cool about a book, kind of a final thought I'll say is uh, check out the videos that I'm going to be putting out about like, you know, authorship and how to get started with that. I have some book templates that I use for the books that I write. And then I just, I just give them to people for free. 
and teach them how to write their own book, but everybody listening has a story and something to share. So, you know, share that with your audience, your business will really flourish. And, um, it's writing a book is, is a great way to do that. So that's what I would say, ask for people to consider. See, I wish you had told me that you had a template for writing books two books ago. Oh, well, congratulations. Well, I'm I sure they're great. And I had no template, but it saves a lot of time. Like you said, you, you said it best time. So yeah. I just want to save people time. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay, so back to you. And what's the question that you wanted to ask me? I would say it's hard to pick one, but I would say what is what's your like number one motivation for wanting to do the podcast? Like what are you hoping what results do you hope it achieves? That is a great question. What what's my motivation for doing the podcast? Yeah. Well, my motivation behind the podcast is I want to go beyond just the real estate space. Mm -hmm. And I do talk to folks that are outside of real estate mm -hmm. because there are experts in so many different fields. But expertise and success leave clues. You know, Tony Robbins says it, lots of people say it. And by interviewing interesting people, number one, it's building my network. So I mean, I'm getting a blessing out of it. Getting to talk to people like you and finding out what you're doing in your markets. That's great. But being able to share that, because as I told you, you know, when we first started the chat, before we even got on, on the podcast, is my mission is to train 10,000 people or to help 10,000 people do well enough financially that they'll donate a hundred dollars a week to the charity of their choice. That's my one in a billion program, my initiative, my movement that I'm working on. And the idea behind playing full out for me is very much like you described. I want to use every minute that I can in the most productive way possible. Now, productive doesn't always mean it has a financial result. It can have a re relation, relational result. Um, it can have a service result. It can have an empowerment result for someone else. You know, I get, I get huge benefit out of seeing other people be successful. And I don't measure everything in dollars anymore. As a matter of fact, my new economy is based on $150 increments because that leads into the other thing that we do, and that's the work with wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And this gives me a platform to get that message out too. And we always invite people that they can go to the creatingwealthusa.com webpage forward slash wheelchair and donate a wheelchair or two or three or five. We just got a $5,000 donation today, praise God. That's gonna buy 37 more wheelchairs. And most of the folks that know me know that we deliver wheelchairs around the world. And yet there's so many people that will get referred to this podcast over time. And they would never come to see me in a real estate seminar mm -hmm. or any of the other things that I do. We might not cross paths. And one of the things that you talked about too, is that we can impact people we will never meet. Right. Okay. And one of the things that I've found is that when people get into any of these challenges that I put out there, you know, the one with real estate, with, with the wheelchairs and real estate investors, I created two years ago called the Wheel Estate Challenge. Hmm. Close a deal, donate a chair. We even have title companies here that are now putting it on the settlement statement. 
and they'll cut the check right out of the sale proceeds of the house. Wow. And so it's really kind of cool. And I would love to get a thousand investors across the country, even if they do five deals a year. Every wheelchair impacts eight lives. Mm. So now about impacting lives, but lots of them. And so if we could get a thousand investors, if they just did five chairs a year, just do the math. Right. Okay, 5,000 wheelchairs would impact 40,000 people. Wow. Okay, because one chair impacts eight lives. Sure. And so it, it's, it's the fact that we now have a different kind of economy. We have different means and modes of communication. You know, I don't expect to get on mainline television and, and let people know about being part of one in a billion or the real estate challenge. But here we can definitely get the word out to lots of people while we're giving them an additional blessing of getting to meet people like you and find out the things that you're doing and how you might be able to help them and finding out how to find you online through Facebook or your website or whatever else it might be. So it's another way that we're trying to plant good seeds so that people can learn about success that serves others. Sounds good. That's my long-winded answer. No, that's good. That's like a Max Keller answer. That's how I talk. I love it. I know. I heard so many of your, of my words coming out of your mouth. I was just blown away. And the fact that you're a lefty, I don't know. Maybe we're like kindred spirits along some line. In yeah, the, we got to stick together. You know, I, got, I, have, I have six children and they're all right-handed. Well, I'm the oldest of six children. I only have one and he's right-handed. So I don't know what that said. But... It, it, it's been really great getting to spend some time with you today. I cannot express the joy at this. And I know that people are going to just come flocking and see you and learn more about you. So thanks so much for being with us here today. And to everyone else that's watching or listening, always remember, play full out. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>